Don't you think that people are also kind of addicted to like this disaster consciousness a little bit? Like, oh, completely. Who isn't it scary thing? Like, it's it seems that way sometimes. Like, we want yeah. it to be scary or hard or or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, really. With the weather and stuff. Ooh, you know, this sort yeah. of fantasy, <laughs> this demented fantasy of humanity. To like, oh, we're always looking you know? for the the next piece of drama. It seems. Welcome to Truthiverse, the number one podcast for free and discerning minds. I'm your host, Brendan Murphy, author and founder of The Truthiversity. As a freedom hacker and truth addict, it's my job to help you reclaim yourself from illusion and live in your power. Living in truth sets you free to holistically upgrade your entire life so you can explore infinite possibility. Join me as we hack our way to a higher evolution. Truthiverse is officially sponsored by The Grow Network, founded by Marjorie Wildcraft, who is the female leader in the survival and preparedness space. With the food supply under attack worldwide and more uncertainty than ever, you may want to check out her free You Can Grow Food webinar. It'll show you how to grow loads of food as fast as possible, even if you have no experience, are older, or just plain out of shape. Check it out for free at brendansbackyard.com. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to this episode of Truthverse. This week, I'm joined by the very eclectic and very well-rounded Amanda Volmer, who is an epic health practitioner. She describes herself as an eclectic practitioner. Uh, one time, uh, a naturopath trained in naturopathy, since moved on, since become somewhat disgruntled, describes herself as having a big mouth, talks a lot. <laughs> Just trying to paint the picture here of Amanda. But uh, yeah, she knows a lot. And, uh, you know, I've been kind of like, you know, keeping her on my radar for a while now. Amanda, firstly, thanks for being here and having a chat with me. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Brendan. Nice <laughs> to be with, with everyone and your audience. And um, yeah, great to have a chat. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So let's dive right into this. I wanted to get your, yeah, I want to see what you, where you're at with a bunch of things. Um, firstly, maybe, you know, what is it that you do? Because, you know, you you weren't too keen to stick with a naturopath label. You went with the, you know, the eclectic sort of description of, you know, taking a bit from here, a bit from there, seeing what works, being being kind of like integrative and holistic. Um, you know, how did you go from, say, naturopathy into functioning like that and, you know, rounding the picture out more? Hmm. Yeah, well, I, after graduation, I really left the quickly the industry because I, I had a political history with members of the board and I was blacklisted pretty much in my first year of naturopathic college. Um, like I said, big mouth. And I was seeing a lot of things that I found suspicious. And I was asking questions where questions were not uh, desired. And that's when I knew that the infiltration had already taken place in the naturopathic world and there's really not much just little old me could do i was working with a couple of people um a lawyer by the name of truman tuck and a doctor by the name carolyn dean who writes a lot about magnesium and they were assisting me in my communications with the uh well the the cand as well as the board at that time and I was giving them documentation, legal documentation, communicating with them, uh, exp 
you know, exposing a corruption, exposing um, agenda, exposing where actually rights were being um, altered and scholastic training was being changed uh, to favor al- allopathic medicine, all these sorts of things. So <laughs> I was a little old naive, Amanda, um, thinking that all naturopaths just want good in the world and everybody to be happy and healthy and la-di-da. And I realized that there's deep politics going on and I just basically went right into that. So, um, and a lot of the people involved were very high up. So that doesn't bode well for a little me wanting to uh, be among their ranks, right? Because it's actually quite a... a Close net society, nepotism and these sorts of things and um, uh, a secular sort of <laughs> internal <laughs> politic happens, right, in all of these establishments. Anyway, so that was me at the end of that. And I went in to continue to, to practice just differently, um, not doing some of the invasive procedures and things that I was trained into in med school and like uh, traditional Chinese medicine, one of my favorite modalities, but using acupuncture. So that was not allowed. Only private setting with friends is really, or on myself or to keep up on the practice, I'll do it like that. So, um, or you'd have private contracts with people for acupuncture, but in the public eye, you couldn't do a lot of these things. Mm. And then, um, and then began to design um, remedies and medicine things at that point too, really explore medicine, uh, which was great. It was freeing for me to not be licensed, to, mm. to be trained, to continue to um, speak with clients and learn um, and practice in that way as a consultant, and then explore all the other um, avenues of medicine and, and bring that to me and and be able to have that in experience so i could see it you know in real time to me that's really the development of a type of healer that uh, is gathering that knowledge and and putting it to to task yeah yeah i'm hearing a lot of parallels with um patrick quantin's story dr patrick quantin he was trained and ended up you know just kind of realizing oh, this this shit doesn't work uh what am i doing here <laughs> and then he kind of took a similar approach to you and you know worked with people to learn from you know nature and people and what's actually happening out in the real world um mm-hmm. so okay so we you've you've noted early on that the the natural naturopathy realm is is compromised it's been infiltrated do you when do you think the big farmer kind of managed to start taking over and hijacking because 30 years ago or 40 years ago it was completely different the training they received is was completely different to what they get now like now there's no germ theory stuff there's no terrain like there's no perspective on any of this stuff like pleomorphism all this stuff's gone uh it's just you know feeding it's like insidiously feeding people into the allopathic machine well i remember having conversations with the late dr anthony godfrey about this very thing and his generation um so he's one of our elders right so when i was in school he was in his uh probably 70s and and he remembered that time where they would study iridology where they were um they were debating regulation because they saw what happened with the chiropractors (laughs) that didn't 
that didn't go according to plan with them and especially in Ontario. So there was a lot of debate and there and stages of growth from a smaller college and then onward, right? And moving locations as well. And it changed how the whole politic was and, and obviously the scale increased as well from like a more family uh, decision based to larger um, facilities and more teachers and all these sorts of things. It just gets bigger and gets out of your control, which I understand. And then, and then that's why there has to be council that's, you know, really sorted. It can't just be bored. It had, there's something else sacred that has to happen for us moving forward when we're designing our businesses or enterprises or whatever, or kingdoms, whatever we're going to be doing when this, when all this falls, because uh, this is going, um, and, and how we're going to have our own communication and our conflict resolution in the way that we um, make decisions together. Yeah. Anyway. And you did, you mentioned before we, you know, officially kicked off this, this thing about communication and, and conflict re- resolution and, you know, logic and how do we address people? It seems to me like you've got to the point where you realize there's this divide that has happened and, and keeps happening in different areas between, you know, parts of society where you have two groups who, who can't see each other's point of view or won't see each other's point of view. And so it sounds like you've kind of taken it upon yourself to try to find a way to, to move a discussion forward that has maybe stagnated or become cul-de-sac. And is, was that particularly to do with the the COVID situation and viruses, germ theory, or, or something else? Mm, well, when, when information, you know, comes to light that's questioning the, the, the narrative, that's questioning science, and that's pretty serious. You know, there's the... <laughs> They're larger questions that have large implications, right? And that voice begins to get loud and, uh, and, and persistent. Then at some point, one would expect that there has to be some open debate or, or proper discussion um, to, to logically sort it. What we're finding, we're finding this in all arenas right now, uh, including people who are, you know, talk protesting this whole climate science idea, right? That it's like everything's being ignored. We're just being ignored, <laughs> pretty much. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, that they we're not really properly doing this. Um, there's no serious discussion or council to actually consider, and 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 so it's not. We're not getting. Um, uh the the logic is just being ignored on purpose because the agenda behind it is stronger uh, Uh, than the logic yeah and you know i see that that there is the obviously there's the obvious like agenda driven side of it but also if you look at the truth community which i know you have noticed this the there's a significant like a disturbing uh percentage of the truth community who has actually kind of decided to side with or support and latch onto at least part of the establishment narrative and really cling to it tenaciously. And that is the ex- supposed existence of this, you know, C-19 virus. Um, and, and they're not, you know, in my experience, they're not listening to the evidence. They're not listening to reason. And I've actually noted on multiple occasions a complete inability to actually use reason and logic 
And that that just is a huge stumbling block. So yeah, what are your thoughts around around that situation? Yeah, and and that's why you know when I'm going down this learning path on on how to figure out communication, then we have another issue of just an inability. There's there's other um, barriers to communicate at this point that are kind of alarming um, that I've given up on. So there, yeah, I, I'm not too sure how how to communicate with someone who just won't even intellectually be able to um, hold the conversation or 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 do the the reading or work required because some of these topics require. Um, you know, uh, a bravery of letting go of some uh, structure, first of all, and making way for a new idea, um, one that will conflict with some potentially core beliefs. Yeah. Um, and and you have to have a certain level of conscious awareness, I think, to also do that well. <laughs> so we have a consciousness issue and um maybe a, a stress problem maybe that's it you know maybe mm -hmm. people are just really stressed and they're not um communicating their needs properly and they're not really thinking very clear yeah yeah i mean i see this a lot um so what i mean <laughs> in terms of the socratic method you mentioned before we started um you know this is a way of 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 debating using questions uh, and questioning so that people, you're not butting heads and arguing or, you know, spraying facts at somebody, but you're actually provoking thought on their part, at least hopefully. Um, yeah. How do you see that all fitting in? Well, I'm, I mean, my ponderings on this are, and my, my hope is, is that I, I feel like sometimes I'm amused where I'll just bring through an idea and I'll be like, okay, everybody go study freaking Socratic method, please. <laughs> you know, I've got so much going that it that all of these things happen, you know, in my mind. But um, from what I've been able to study and be able to look at is you're coming into a debate chamber prepared. Everybody's prepared. Everybody's read everybody else's arguments ahead of time. Everybody's kind of understanding um, what evidence is being presented. Um, it's been it's been looked at. Questions are being formed ahead of time with that type of method. So it is more of a scholastic method that's meant to get to the the heart of the matter, uh, the root cause problem mm -hmm. with logic. So you continue to question by taking logic down to its finest detail. Mm -hmm. And in it in no there's nothing with judgment. So even if you say something quasi stupid, it doesn't matter because the it's about ideas and so you're allowed to explore without getting punished so it helps people become a little more brave with their questioning and pushing the limits and boundaries of their thinking that's why i mean that's really why i was looking at that and then encouraging people to bring that method maybe back into their communities or into their councils or into their you know um scholastic the situations that they're creating in their own communities i mean uh we are here we're creating our own schooling <laughs> we're, not, we're not using their systems we're, we're peeling away mm. uh, from, from these corrupt uh organizations mm. are you working with people uh you know locally to to actually create a like a homeschool alternative school 
Yeah, that's been going for a couple of years now. And um, those not in the system, those who mm. were, were uh, rejected when they had different medical views, they, they were removed from society by society for having different medical views. And so they chose to uh, teach in the private. Perfectly logical. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, okay, where do we take it from here? So as far as application of the this method of questioning, um, is this something you personally, you know, you do you engage people who you you can see, you know, have need to have the opportunity to to learn or understand things? Do you take the time to do this yourself? Or is it more just kind of spreading it out to other people and going, hey, this is a useful tool, go try it out? <laughs> Uh, well, it's more of um, uh, me researching um, how to satisfy a specific need that mm -hmm. I feel will be a coming need uh, for us. Because of the division in communities, because of the way that we're not communicating about big topics well, that I'm looking at structures and ideas. That's that's really That's really all. Um, and then I, as I usually do, I pull together the materials and then I'll present it. And then people can do with that as they wish. Um, and hopefully it inspires a little bit of forethought when you're trying to make big decisions in groups and even festivals, even um, summits and things. I mean, or or other communities, you can at least employ the method where you're respecting one another in your communication um, and have sort of a general resolution method sort of built in, mm. you know, these sorts of things, just, it's all, it's just something that I've been looking at and probably going to present on. I have a lot of presentations left to build lately because we're doing the end of COVID COVID summit as well in yep. June, as you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's cool. We'll both, we'll both be presenting material at that. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm sure your your uh, material is going to be very interesting. Uh, speaking of, you know, we're trying to foster understanding and and you know constructive channels of communication. And you know, personally, I would love to see the the end of uh, the COVID sort of religion and the, the the beliefs that are unfounded in reality and logic. I mean, how do you? Where do you stand in the? I mean, I think I know where you stand, but. You are not a member of the allopathic, like germ theory uh, crowd. You don't push the idea of viruses. You definitely have obviously made it pretty clear that you are not invested in that concept. Um, how was that a process for you? Or was there like a lightning struck kind of moment uh, where you were like, oh, hang on a minute? Or, you know, was it a gradual kind of peeling back of layers? Did you always have skepticism around it? Yeah, it's interesting how, you know, now that I look back at how my mind developed and my beliefs and, and where they came from and, and how and how I started to question from myself, like inside me, from just doing reading and learning, you know, uh, of my own interest, um, the questions started to naturally arise because when you have too many contradictions, Predictions in, in the information and kind of park that and you're like, well, that's not really, it doesn't really add up. So when I study isopathy and I study, um, you know, Semmelweis Institute's, you know, um, uh, isopathy texts and things, um, 
how 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 does this line up how do we have these um lineages and we have a germ causing a disease so how can we have a germ that changes its shape you know to other things depending on the terrain but it yet causes one germ one disease like you can't have both this just doesn't work and in my mind it was like that for a while where they were both kind of true for a while i was like well maybe there's something in there it's the bargaining stage of all awakening <laughs> all awakening has a bargaining stage and if you're at that oh it's it's both it's both it's both and you're still in the bargaining stage because mm-hmm. you just you haven't seen it from all the layers yet yeah <laughs> and one is an electrical and one is a vibrational mm-hmm. and another one is from water and if you want to understand how it's working how the body is actually functioning and so for me my desire to know how the body was functioning kept leading me to this question again and again where you know finally i just made it a decision in my head i have to study this virus uh, topic and i remember the moment i did and i was saying to a friend of mine who was very sick who had just been apparently diagnosed with like eight different viruses and i'm like wait a second <laughs> what uh, how 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 are you alive and how you know from what part of your body and why is, is this seems is this random does this does everybody have eight different viruses like this just doesn't something about it wasn't making any sense I said, you know what? I'm going to study viruses next. That's going to be my next topic, my next deep dive. That's what I did. So that was in 2016. So it came up for air in about 2017. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And found, and found, I knew there would be someone. I always knew that if there's truth, there's always a someone who's revealed the truth before to be found always then it's not true if you if you haven't that's what i've always felt and then i found dr lanka's testimony and then i felt i felt the validation and then i continued to to research it so uh, then i understood it from i needed to uh obviously being of a science background i'm like okay wow whoa whoa that means we have some fundamental scientific error going on here. That's pretty massive. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fraudulent. And then you go all the way back. You're like almost 200 years back by this point. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> deep fraud. <laughs> oh, okay. Opportunistic fraud. Oh, political fraud. Oh, so the whole idea didn't even come about uh, from sickness. Mm-hmm. In the first place, the whole idea came about from uh, political manipulation and a war tactic. It's very handy to mm-hmm. scare the crap out of people. There's an invisible virus and they have it and you better keep away from them or they're going to make you very sick. And some of them might not look sick, but they're sick and mm-hmm. they even get you sick. So you better stay away from them. You see what a handy tactic and and that was from Lanka's explanation. And it just helped me go into all, all the history of how that even came to be and reading uh, past yours um, notes from second set of lab notes <laughs> <laughs> and um, how revealing those were and uh, realized that he was playing people for a fool 
and on and on and, and look at the players and look at the people. It's not like, oh, someone asked me, oh, could you just uh, summarize the, the German train thing like in a sentence? I'm like, oh, I, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> if only. And and if you can't summarize it in one sentence, then I'm not listening to you and you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're a poo-poo face. And, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I understand, I understand um cognitive dissonance is extremely emotional, mm. right? It's very emotional. There's betrayal in there, there's pain and hurt in there. And um, disappointment, uh, grief, all kinds of stuff from being lied to from mm. birth, basically. That's a, that's a big owie, I would say. You know, mm. you have to be able to put that somewhere and and deal with waking up. <laughs> yeah. a little bit sting just a little bit <laughs> it's like the song there's a song that says waking oh no it's breaking up is hard to do but waking up is hard to do too <laughs> um, I, i'm sure that's been redone like that yeah it must it must have been surely at this point so so as you were excuse me i mean i found that too you know when i first i had the spiritual awakening and then shortly after that i had the, like the geopolitical awakening and that was a massive kick in the guts to to come to terms with this massive grid of intentional deception that we are born into like you know it is like the matrix in that sense the comparison is is apt um you know when did you when did that happen for you and you know what was your kind of reaction and how did you move through it mm, 2000 and i i was very up you want to talk disgruntled so when you go through university it's very left-leaning uh-huh. i came out pretty much a radical vegan um e- eco-terrorist <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was just all in, um, you know, but I was very disappointed and upset and just it makes you very angry when you are told that all the people in the world are hurting the earth and destroying everything and they're bad. Right. Oh, and, and they're not listening. And then it, what is it going to do? And you can't really change anything. And really, mostly what you're doing is useless anyway. If you become very disgruntled and angry, mm. and I was I was realizing that every my path that I had taken, I was not happy with, and um, and I was trying to get into veterinary college at that time, and I, I just I was kind of lost. I didn't know what I was doing, um, and I was applying for biotech com- companies because my undergrad degree was um, biotechnology, so. I was trying to make money so I could get even close to vet school, which is why I got the degree in the first place, right? Uh, right. Which is how you do school. You like do school and then you work to pay a lot of it off for a couple of years and you do more school and this sort of thing. Well, I was in Montreal and I was miserable. And my friend who was out in California said, come, just get on a plane and just come out there and we'll travel up to um, Edmonton after. We'll drive up the coast. And we'll head to Edmonton and you can come with us. So I did. I just left. And that desert, it was a it was a retreat center in Dulzura, California. And gorgeous place. And it's gone through a lot of floods and fires since then. <laughs> Not a stable place to live, but beautiful. And um I had a, a Kundalini awakening at that retreat. 
And that changed me fundamentally, of course, because it was quite a profound experience if anyone's ever had, you know, a true Kundalini rising heat experience through their body mm. um, and the associated sort of spiritual connections and things that happen. It's pretty, pretty mystically profound. Mm. Um, and it changes the way you see, you know, this place. Yeah. And you don't go back. <laughs> there's no, there's, <laughs> there's none of that. Um, so yeah, that, that was really, so year two, 2000, and, and I went through phases of all of that, which is what happens. You go through like a spiritual ego phase, uh, which is really annoying. It probably annoyed a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> probably if I look back at me now, I'd be like, Ooh, she's annoying. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can relate to that to some extent. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's why we have to still be forgiving when we see people going through their stages too, right? Because we went through stages of our growth, right? It's normal. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. And so you moved through the the uh I, I want to actually circle back to the well, actually the spiritual tangent's kind of interesting as well, because you know, I've I've noticed that about you. You seem to have that that and you've just confirmed that you've got that, you know, dimension happening, which is something that you know, a lot of people, um, you know, can't say that they've done like the the research and the intellectual stuff, and they've also had that that profound spiritual like metanoia transformational event where they can, like you said, you you never go back. You uh you are permanently changed, um, which is cool. I think that that's kind of essential to have that. Otherwise, you're kind of like fighting with one arm tied behind your back. A lot of those people who don't have it tend to get black pilled. They tend to develop very like angry outlooks or very very uh, fatalistic outlooks towards things and they feel very disempowered even if not consciously they they you know act in a kind of disempowered way whereas if you you start with the spiritual grounding um you have a shot at at least you know reclaiming some agency and, and understanding well you know I, there's there's choice here you know there's choice in being here and participating in the illusion and all that stuff anyway your thoughts <laughs> mm-hmm. and even when i was involved in in various groups um in fact you know going into environmentalism as I did, I went into conflict negotiation training because they actually would train you in, in that kind of stuff, which is how I even knew it was a thing. I didn't even know it was a thing until I went through, I think it was like a Greenpeace and they actually paid you to go to these um, trainings on conflict and ne like negotiation and uh, nonviolent communication, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, so it was quite interesting that part of my my world um before i had like my bigger my big awakening but uh i i felt like there was this self-reflective which i you know spiritual inward um aspect missing you know and i i noticed it when i worked for cpaws you know i was volunteer i noticed it when i worked at um some of the vet clinics I, I just, um, I don't know. I, I just noticed this type of um, disconnect, I guess. And anyway, uh, I felt if people were more aware in this capacity, they would feel more fulfilled. Mm. Uh, and that would, people would feel that and they would be able to, um, I don't know, just have that self-respect energy where um, you can still be yourself. 
but you still have good boundaries and you still are, you're operating as an adult from, from I'm going to own my own emotional baggage and pain and I'm going to work through it responsibly. And if I need you, then I'm going to ask for help and not, you know, hope that help magically just comes and all this sort of working through those things. I thought oh, if everybody could have some aspect in their respective groups, I think we could get somewhere because there's mm. a cohesion. Mm. Mm. You don't, you don't see the cohesion if you're missing the, the conscious awareness. Yeah, that's right. And you can't force that either. It's an interesting thing because it seems like some people are, you know, destined to to have that and others, you know, not so much. It's like they have to play a certain role to in order to go through certain experiences, which they otherwise wouldn't be able to have if they had the awareness. So it's kind of like, you know, and then we yeah. have to, you know, we have to navigate our way through that, um, you know, seeing it and just being okay with it at, at the same time. Yeah which is, is what it is. Um, and if this is, if this is a consciously aware, um, space where there's an expansion of this happening now, which I'm hoping, <laughs> I don't know if I have a hundred percent confirmation of that. Do you, <laughs> but I'm hoping that that's happening. Um, and that, and those who won't, like those who are um, uh, breaking natural law, I really do feel there's been repercussion. I've seen repercussion uh, lately, What bragging, you know, saying, oh, look, I took a shot. Look at me. I'm a wonderful virtue signaler. I'm excellent at my uh, role at mm -hmm. that. And off they go. Yeah. <laughs> Very Bye. soon after. So yep. to me maybe this is there is a settling of something happening now yeah. an energetic um you know yeah play ball <laughs> yeah yeah there, there is something very interesting and it's interesting to consider the possibilities you know some people some people have suggested hey well you know trying to find a silver lining with this this genocide um all the right people mm -hmm. are kind of like leaving the gene pool at this point. And that's like one way people have looked at it. Other people, I've, I think Jason Christoph suggested the idea that these people who are doing this and, you know, basically eliminating themselves from the gene pool are doing kind of like from a soul level because the the soul refuses to, you know, live the slave life, you know, getting the jabs, becoming this transhumanist, you know, automaton. And so rather than being like that, it's like their exit point out of here, start again kind of thing. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure what, yeah. what I believe about it personally, but there's different different ways of looking at it. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. It, you know, a lot of it's going to be speculative and and we're we're really in the dark with a lot of stuff. I, I feel that way. I feel shrouded about a lot of things right now. Uh, my sense is I just have to do the work that's put before me, kind of. <laughs> that's and that's it. And and also not push where I I shouldn't. But you know, and again, it's like going with your natural flow, your natural rhythm, especially if you're creators. Like I'm a creator. Um, you know, I made soap today like I, I do a lot and with mm. myself and I have a, a daughter that I unschool and she has a lot of activities you know she has needs and as a mother you know so there's pace in your life of things to 
to ensure that you don't um, totally burn out because there's a lot of information. And, uh, and even with me, I have to tell myself to pace myself because of the amount of projects and, uh, and goals and, and what I know needs to be built for whatever's coming as well. Uh, courses, first aid, what to have in your medicine cabinet, how to use these things, how to triage situations. Most people don't want to go to the hospitals anymore. Most people, most people that I know that are awake, they're like over my dead body. Am I yeah. going to one of those? Yeah, death and, I, and it could well be. <laughs> yeah. What do you in your in your work? You know, helping people. You have a lot of people come to you asking advice for this, that, and the other thing. Um, have you got like? Have you managed to distill things down into maybe a set of principles or ideas that you know explain, say, the the bulk of the issues or the health problems that people do have in general? Can you generalize? You you can ultimately you can summarize. And then you're looking at different people with different energies and tissue types and uh, exposures. And so there's permutations. <laughs> so just think of it like all as permutations of uh, exposures and influences, right? And, and on that personality, <laughs> excuse me, on that specific personality. Can you give us some examples, just uh, you know, hypothetical examples of what they, those things could be? So, you know, for example, you have uh, people who have taken vaccines, right? Uh, and then they're on a regime of drugs and they ingest fluoride, um, maybe through their toothpaste, maybe through their water source, maybe through their bath water, whatever, or other chemicals are exposing themselves to. And perhaps they're stressed, perhaps they're not sleeping well not eating properly, not digesting properly. Maybe they've damaged their gut and their microbes in their gut and they're not uh, taking intake of nutrients well. Perhaps the soils are dull uh, and inappropriate. The food is inappropriate for its nutrient level. <clears throat> and that person is nutrient de deficient as well as uh, has exposures. So then you have to cleanse the system. The body will naturally cleanse the system because it's a self-healing um, organism. Mm. And then you will see symptoms when this mechanisms or these various mechanisms go to work if they're not being done appropriately with the proper nutrition, which would be through the liver system. Then it'll use the skin or the lungs or the mucus or cause inflammation, cause secondary tissue damage cause all sorts of ulcerations or possibly cause tumors or possibly call, cause DNA problems or possibly cause mental problems or nervous system issues or whatever tissue type it's involved in. So you can generalize in this way because it's really based on the nutrition and the toxins and what that admixture is and where it is happening in the body. And if you, if that's most of it, <laughs> that's most of it. <laughs> of your disease states, right? Um, they're not even diseases. They're just mm -hmm. states of ill um, at ease, like meaning your body is a not mechanistically able to do the job in an efficient way. And that's your disease states. Mm. 
And and yeah, I mean, I, I like that rundown. Um, as far as like the psychological or emotional aspects of it are concerned, what what's your, uh, you know, what have you learned over the the years from from your work? Yeah, it goes both ways, you know, emotional into body, body into emotional, um, cause and effect. It's everywhere. Um, <laughs> and it's part of your frequency. It's part of how you're, um, what you're processing, your mental capacity. If your body's stressed and you're not able to to think properly or your, your blood's not flowing properly, that can lead to mental stress as well. And that can lead to emotional frustration, right? I mean, it's it's all integrated. Mm. It's all in, the, and that's what I'm saying. How the permutations, it's individual as well, and and how you're handling it, and all the emotional aspects as well. So it's all integrated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you obviously, obviously, you don't treat people for viruses. Um, what, what do you tell people? I mean, if they come to you and they've got a diagnosis, like they've got a virus or HIV or, or this other, whatever the nonsense happens to be, how do you work with someone where, if that's their starting point? What do you tell them? Uh, well, you know, I've stopped taking clients for the last year and a half or so just to work on um, the writing and courses and so forth. And it's and also a new model uh, for people to self-diagnose and to also work in a different group system uh, rather than relying on one practitioner to like um, <clears throat> direct everybody all the time. It's not really realistic. People have to take charge of their own health. Um, but uh, sorry, what was the question again? Um, oh yeah. You know, if, if say, you know, in your work with people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, someone comes to you, oh, what do think, I say? I think yeah. they've got a virus, you know, how do you approach that? <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Well, I, I tell them, there they there's good news <laughs> they don't have that <laughs> um simple as that they don't have that that's not what's happening mm -hmm. right yeah and, and sometimes i'll explain to them about if you find flies on your garbage did the flies cause the garbage sort of analogies or the the firefighter to the fire i might give them like a childlike um image for them, for them to just get the handle on it um, just because breakdown products are found at the site doesn't mean that's the cause of the problem. It's very simple. And, and that's okay. That's maybe that's a good indicator of a process in your body that's trying to heal you because that's what, what's happening. Your body's always trying to heal this. And it depends on where, again, the, the tissue type and what's in there and how is the body figuring out how to get rid of whatever it is that weird toxin is that you've got going on there, uh, depending on how, uh, you know, um, explosive potentially it could be on other tissues. If it's moved incorrectly, mm -hmm. um, what charge it has, if it is magnetic in any way, um, people will start to move mercury around, for example. So DMSO will chelate and move mercury, uh, other, Palladium binders will move mercury, chlorella, spirulina, these sorts of things. However, if people start to move their metals around and they don't complete their releases, they can just redeposit the metals elsewhere and have new experiences that they didn't have before they started the detox, right? 
And so again, like we're missing out on helping people properly heal when we're ignoring the knowledge that the body is always trying to purge and cleanse and rebalance itself. And then it makes perfect sense that you've put in all of these chemicals makes that we have all the evidence of our nutritional problems and our stress problems. I mean, ample, ample of that. We can put it together that this is why we have chronic disease states to this level hmm. and autistic rates and on and on and on. It's not very difficult to figure out. I have a child that has not been touched by the hands of this medicine. I have my own before my eyes witness to this, right? And again, you see the evidence by the action, by the application. So if someone comes to me with an illness, then what do we do? Well, we find out what exposures they've had. Mm -hmm. We help them release the exposures properly without having secondary ailments. That's where the, the knowledge is important to come in, right? This is why you have a practitioner for a while, but really you're supposed to learn it yourself too. It's not that hard and how to detox properly without uh, complications or self-harm, right? And, uh, and various remedies to do that in a swift way and help the body release and rebalance and, and put the nutrition back into place and, and make sure that the gut is actually able to uh, absorb and deliver those nutrients that you're that you're wanting mm. and it's really just this sort of puzzle you're putting together um it's not really even difficult and so when we continue to believe in um, diseases coming from randomness in the air you know coming and settling in you were just minding your own business, just walking down the street and that damn virus just turned that corner and happened yeah. to hit you in the face. And oh, no, see if you'd been wearing that mask, you know, no. silly, you know, not one study has shown any changes in any of their whatever they're calling a transmission. But if you actually you can look at those studies all you want, but if you actually look deep into the studies, you know. Most of them, uh, they're working with a, in a particle that they've never isolated. That So they're not even working with materials that make any sense for your study to make that claim in the first place. So they're mm. all garbage. Yeah. Um, but what we do know is that you, your, the masks have shown no efficacy yep. from this, from any, of, from any of the angles they've tried to come at it from. Okay. And so that, that right there, um, if you, if you had contagion like that, you would have to see some, at least some efficacy yep. where you're, you're halting a transmission through the respiratory air space, you would think, but we don't have that, right? There's all of this glaring problem. There's many problems. There's ultimately like seven big ones when it comes to isolating viruses, um, which Lanka has written about in detail, you know, uh, which I encourage people to read. Just do the reading. I mean, uh, a lot of uh, the no virus team have put together very great summaries mm. uh, and work to to help explain this. Mm -hmm. um, I would I would take the time. <clears throat> It, it, think, it, sorry, then, I didn't mean what? to cut you off. The lab leak thing goes out the window. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I didn't mean to jump in there. Oh, I was just saying, then also the fear goes away, even yes. for the truth community that think it's a lab leak or they're 
doing these things to us. Yeah, that's right. You'll find the full video and any bonus materials in my exclusive members-only portal, The Truthiversity. This unique creation is the official home for all my multimedia research and entertainment content. Updated regularly, my members get access to absolutely everything I create, including full podcasts, courses, articles, videos, audio files, the whole enchilada. Book your spot at truthiversity.com.